0: We are in Genesis chapter 2, Genesis chapter 2, and we're going to pick it up from verse 18, where we left off last time. Genesis 2, verse 18. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Out of the ground the Lord formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky, and He brought them to the man to see what He would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature That was its name. The man gave names to all the cattle and to the birds of the sky and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper suitable for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on the man and he slept. And then he took one of his ribs and he closed up the flesh at that place. And the Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Verse 18, it says that the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. You look at God's concern for mankind. Here he made man. Why should he care? Why should he care? I mean, you know, God made a man and and that's it. But no, he's concerned about the welfare of Adam. He says, I don't like it. That he's alone. It's not good. Everything else he had said before, it is good. And it was the second day, and it was good, and it was the third day, and it was good. Here he says it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Now we know from chapter 1 that the animals were made before man. By man I mean anthropos. I mean humankind. Because that is actually what Adam means. Adam is this this. Non-committal word of 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 uh, of gender, and so, so he he says that, that I I want to make someone to help this man. He says, out of the ground the Lord formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky, and he brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was his name, that was its name. And the man gave names to all the cattle and to the birds of the sky and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a suitable, uh, a, a, a helper suitable for him. So do you think God said, wow, I brought him all the animals and he, he didn't like any of them to be his helper? Why? Wow, I, I, that really took me by surprise. I never knew. No, God knew exactly what would happen. This was for Adam's sake so that Adam could see that none of these animals were suitable for him as the helper. Yes, man's best friend is his dog, but he chose—he didn't want a dog to be his suitable helper. God was showing Adam that none of these were suitable for him. Now, remember we said that, that, that I have not taken any stance on whether I'm an old earth creationist or a young earth creationist. This is one of the portions that gives trouble to, to old earth creationists about young earth creationists. They say, how could Adam have all in one day, because remember, it was in the sixth day that God created all the animals, all the land creatures, He created them in the sixth day, and then He created man, and then He had man name all the animals, all the creatures, including the birds that were made the day before, all of them. And people have gone through and calculated how long would it take if just one after another was passing by to name all the different animals there are. And it's much longer than a day. Much longer than a 24 hour day. You say, hey, you, you know, you're, you're, you're splitting hairs here. I'm not splitting anything. I'm just saying that's what gives old earth creationists pause in saying that, hey, these are not 24 hour days because how could a man do all this in one day if that was done on day six because he hasn't yet created the woman but we know the woman was created on day six from chapter one so you see what i mean i mean there's there's all these different pieces you got you got to juggle here so whatever stance you take if you're going to take a hard stance just remember all the different constructs that we've put before you here so he names all of them, and it says, it says, the man gave names to all the cattle and the birds of the sky and to every beast of the field, uh, uh, it, it, and it, and it says that whatever he called it, whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name at the, at, in verse 19. Now, don't you think God could have wondered after a while, you, you know, this is a long process. Don't you think God could have wondered, well that wasn't a very good name. I mean, Elephant? you know, (laughs) Whatever that is in Hebrew. Is that a good name? But God let the name stand. God didn't micromanage this thing. Whatever you call it, that's what it's going to be. That's kind of nice. I mean, you know, you work with little kids and they they do certain things. Let, Let me fix that for you. Let me correct that. God didn't do that. He gave this man enormous autonomy. And that's what God does. He gives us this autonomy to do all sorts of things. And you say, well, why didn't God stop that person from doing that? Because He grants to human beings this autonomy, this ability to do this. And, and He gave this man, He says, you name them." Remember, naming gives you authority. We see from the book of Daniel where Nebuchadnezzar gave new names. We see from, from uh, uh, when the children of Israel came into the land, they renamed the cities. When you have authority, you name things. Here, Adam named everything. So so it was talking about his authority over humankind, over animal kind. And so so you you see this, and it says that there was no suitable helper for him. There was not found a helper suitable for him. So none of the animals did it. God knew exactly what he was going to do. We already know from day six in chapter one that God made woman the same day that he made man. It says, but now he's giving us further detail. He says, so the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on the man and he slept. And then he took one of his ribs and he closed up the flesh at that place. So this word rib, this is what it's translated in English. In Hebrew, it's it's an ill-defined structure. It doesn't mean the actual physical rib. It's something out of his side. But it's interesting, he took it out of his side. He didn't take it out of his head. He didn't take it out of his feet as if woman would be dominating him or woman would be inferior to him. He took it right out of his side, right out of his midsection. He took it from and he took some material. And it was probably some bone and some flesh because Adam's going to say this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And so, you know, maybe it was stem cells, you know, <laughs> Maybe. I mean, we we don't know. We don't know exactly what that word is. It's been translated as rib, but we just don't know exactly what it is. And and uh uh and then he formed this woman. But you see, and, and then it says it says in, in in he closed up the flesh at the place. But so in other words, he did open the flesh. He did an operation while the guy was sleeping and he didn't even wake up. You know, so when they put you to sleep when you're having surgery, I mean, God thought of this first. I mean, put the person to sleep. This is too traumatic to have him have me open his side while he's awake. God knew what he was doing. Open his side and then he closed it back up at that place. And uh, um, and then and then it says the Lord God fashioned a woman fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man, and he brought her and brought her to the man. God brought the woman to the man. He did the same thing with the animals in the sense that, that it says that God brought the, the, the animals to the man. It says that, that in verse 19, and out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every bird of the sky, and brought them to the man. To see what he would call them. You see God's participation. He's like, hey, now he's bringing this woman. How did he bring this woman to this man? Did he, did he carry her? Was he like, ta-da? We don't know what he did, but you see God's participation there. God brings the woman to the man. God shows interest in the relationship between men and women. God brought the woman to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This term, this is now. This is sometimes translated as finally. Wow, finally, all of a sudden. That... that, that, As if Adam had been waiting for this. This is the culmination. This is now. Bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. This is one of the few places where Hebrew and English have a similarity. Because she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. So you take the word man and you add a little prefix to it and and you get woman. In Hebrew... Man is ish, and he says she will be isha. So you see the same sort of relation. This is coincidental; it wasn't set up like this. But where he took the name for man and he added a little bit to it, and that then became woman. And so he he, he even gave her part of his name, the name of the man. It also went. To the woman, the same thing. And then it says, For this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the ma- man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. So I want to use this to talk about marriage because this is the first bringing of a man and a woman together. You couldn't have a more prescribed couple by God. You couldn't, because God Took her right out of, right out of Adam and then brought her to him. Right? So it started out really good. This, this marriage. And Jesus actually quotes from this. So in, in in Matthew chapter 19 verse 4 and 5 it says, And he said to them, Have you not read, this is Jesus speaking, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? That's from Genesis chapter 1. Jesus is quoting Genesis chapter 1. And then he says in verse in verse 5 of, of Matthew 19, and, he, and said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Jesus quotes from Genesis chapter 2. So, there are scholars, at least in their own mind, that tell us that Oh, these these books weren't written by Moses. And remember, we looked at those verses where Jesus said, "You don't believe, Mo- you don't believe me because you don't believe Moses." Jesus took this as being written by Moses, and now he's quoting from both Genesis chapter one and Genesis chapter two. And so-called scholars will say, "Well, these were written by different people at different ages. This was all put together by a bunch of." Uh, um, by by a bunch of committees or something. Jesus is quoting from this. Jesus substantiates this. This actually gives us, as believers in Christ, more credibility than what a Jew can have. Because we love the words of Jesus. And here Jesus is quoting from this very thing. And He says, God made them male and female, for and said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife. He made them male and female. And because of that, because they're now male and female, a man leaves his father and his mother and shall be joined to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. Very interesting terminology. The two become one flesh. He doesn't even use the word marriage. That comes much later in the Bible. He calls this the union of flesh. This is the one flesh union, the union of flesh. The two become one flesh. He says, because he made them male and female, for this reason they shall be joined together as one flesh. This is what he says. Not me. I have nothing to do with this. I'm just the messenger. All right, you got, you just Go back to the Lord. Talk to him about this. If this bothers you, I am simply the messenger. But what he does is he brings them together and you see his involvement. I think marriage is the best invention in the world. I do. I love my wife. I love being with my wife. Now, you have to admit, I have a very lovable wife. I mean, she's a very easy person to love. Not everybody has, you know, such an easy person to love in, in their marriages. But I've got a very easy person to love. It's much easier for me to love her than it is for her to love me. I will confess that. Any day of the week. And, and, uh, um, I would much rather be with her than I would be with myself. Really. She is, she is really a kind and gracious woman. But I love being with her. I got a, a call, you, you know, I have these YouTube videos. I never posted a YouTube video in my life. People have posted YouTube videos about me. So a guy called me. He says, you know, every, every man needs a Barnabas. Okay, and he said, I, I want to... Paul had a Barnabas. I want to be your Barnabas. You, 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 you need some somebody to bounce things off of, somebody to share with, because you seem angry. I said, okay... You don't have much joy in your life. I said, okay, what makes you say that? He said, I watched a video of you. I said, what, what video did you watch? He says, oh, you were talking about origin of life and evolution. I said, Sir. <laughs> I was That's a university setting. Do you know what it's like to go into university and talk about origin of life and evolution when you're not embracing what they normally talk about? I go in locked and loaded. I go in with my game face on. I'm ready to fight in the MMA. I'm not there to to smile and be loving. I'm ready to go at it. And I said, I don't know anywhere in the Bible where it says every man needs a Barnabas. It says man needs a wife. I've got one of those. And I said, I love to bounce things off my wife. I love to share with my wife. I don't need a man to do this. Some men love to have another man that they can share things with. I got my wife. If I'm upset, I go home and I complain. And she says, yes, yes, yes. She just listens to me. She hears all of this. And then she just goes about her work. I mean, that's it. And I got all this off my chest. I said, I got a wife. I love being with her. I said, that's very kind of you to offer that, but I don't need a Barnabas. Bible never says a man needs a Barnabas. Paul had a Barnabas, but you know, he had a falling out with Barnabas and he left with Silas. (laughs) I love my wife. I love my wife. Marriage is a tremendous thing, and when you give this over to the Lord, He really guides you in this. And and uh, um, you know, some people say, you know, I don't, I don't know if I'm supposed to be married. You know, I don't, I don't know if this is for me, and you know, I, I, I don't know if 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 that's that's what God has for me. And uh, uh, God has certain prescriptions there. So in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 and 15, it says, Do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Or w- what harmony has Christ with Belial? Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? So, Sometimes people say, you know, what do you think of this person I want to introduce? I want you to meet this person I'm thinking of marrying. I say, you know, for me, the most important thing is I'm going to ask them about their faith. I'm going to ask them about how they came to know the Lord. I just want to make sure these are two believers getting married to each other. Because if you have a believer marrying an unbeliever, I am telling you, you are going to have an unhappy marriage the believer is going to have a terrible time in that marriage. You say, how do you know? Because I've seen it over and over and over again. I've just seen it. And so if you want me to meet somebody and and, and impress me with, you know, this handsome guy that you found. Just remember, I'm going to ask them about their faith. And if they don't know the Lord, I'm, just, uh, I'm going to tell you this person doesn't know the Lord. And you say, well, they're so nice. I'm glad they're nice. But if they don't know the Lord, there's a big difference there. There's a big difference. It says that they are they're enslaved to sin. They can't know the, the the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is something quite different. So for example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh it talks about how the natural man can't understand this. It says for example in first in in, in uh First uh, Corinthians chapter two, verse 13, which things also we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But the natural man does not accept the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually praised. If a person has not received Jesus Christ, there is an inability to understand the things of the spirit. You may say, how do you know? Because I just read it. Because that's what the Bible says. There could be a wonderful person, but there's a lack of understanding of the things of the Spirit. And this gets into loggerheads in a marriage. When the person doesn't understand. And I've seen this over and over again. I saw that this couple were getting married. A couple very dear to me. And this woman was a believer and the man was not. And and I confronted him on it. And, and then I confronted her on it. I said, how can you marry him? Because he's an unbeliever. She's, I, I love him for who he is and not for who he isn't. Wow, that was poetic, but I'm not sure what it means. The, the scriptures are there. And her mother just got really upset with me for asking such a thing. And then at, at the rehearsal dinner, I asked the pastor, I said, how can you perform this marriage? He, she's a believer, he's not. And the Bible says you shouldn't. this shouldn't happen. He says, And then his wife jumped in. She says, "Well, we we want to we want to keep him in the church." He said, "But the Bible says something here." Well, anyway, the the it didn't last long. Yes, he was going with her to church before they were married. But within six months after they were married, he stopped going to church. He started doing other things on Sundays because when things there's no assessment of spiritual appraising. Why go to church? I need. you know, he just stopped going. And, and, and that, that marriage ended in divorce. I mean, you see this over and over again. God brings it. I knew that, that, that God had marriage for me. And, and you, you, say, you, you say, you know, how do you know? Well, Jesus, Jesus addressed this sort of thing. Um, so, for example, in, in, in Matthew chapter 19, Jesus addresses this. He says, he said to them, not all men can accept this statement, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs, this is in in Matthew chapter 19, verse 12, for there are eunuchs, that's castrated men. There are eunuchs who were born that way from their mother's womb. There are eunuchs who were made eunuchs by men. And there were also eunuchs who made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of God. He was able to accept this, let him accept it. In other words, there are some men that don't have drives for marriages. Jesus is saying that. But that's very few. Very few. Now, I've met men that never had this sexual drive. That's just the way they were. And I wasn't one of them. And I knew that. And so what I did is I committed to prayer that God would bring me the right wife. I said, Lord, please do that. I didn't date around. I didn't date around. Now it, it wasn't because I was so holy. Well, that was—I was trying to be holy. I was trying to. Live. But even before I was a believer, I wasn't dating around because nobody ever wanted to go out with me. I mean, it's—I mean, my, my personality solved all of the potential problems that could have arisen. <laughs> but when I was a believer, I wanted so much. To do what God wanted me to do. And so I would pray. I would pray all the time. Lord bring the. And, and so. And all of a sudden. You know. You know I meet Shereen at, at this. At this fellowship meal. At church. Her dad introduces us. And it didn't happen all at once. But then over time. I just watched her serving. And I watched her attitude. And I think. Wow. That's some tremendous lady. And. I just couldn't stop thinking about her. I mean, forever she was on my heart. I don't know does that does that happen to young men these days where they just can't get their mind off a woman? There's a particular woman they just can't stop thinking about. Maybe that doesn't happen anymore. In my generation, that used to hit men. At times, you'd go to read your Bible and your mind is just thinking about Lord. I know that's not good. Forgive me, Lord. And you're trying to get this thing out of your mind, and then again and again. That happens to you, Max. All the time, all all the time. Uh, yes. Yes. Okay. All right. So I I can't I can't get this I couldn't get her off my mind and and so then I started to pray Lord, if this is of you increase it if it's a not please just take it out 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 of, out of my, my my thoughts. God does these sorts of things. God is very much involved. And then I didn't trust my own hormones. I mean, what happens is you have you have peptides and you have small molecules that work on your brain and they have these interactions and they can be extremely deceptive. And, and, uh, uh, all of a sudden you could think God is speaking to you where it's not. It's just a small molecule. that's interacting in, in, in an enzymatic cavity in your brain. And you think it's God speaking to you and it's not. So I wanted to get advice from people that I respected. So I shared this with my pastor and, and, uh, uh, and and we prayed together, and and he talked with her family, and we said we prayed together. And the pastor said we will pray for six months, and and uh, uh and and I told him if after six months we're not all in agreement, the pastor, the assistant pastor, her families, and if we're not all in agreement, I don't want it because God is going to bring bring confirmation here. And after six months, we weren't dating or anything. We just saw each other at at, at uh, outreaches and things like that. And uh, um, after six months, everyone was in agreement except the assistant pastor who was sort of the pastor over the discipleship house that I was in. And I said, then we won't, we won't pursue this. And the pastor said, well, wait a minute, either he's hearing or we're hearing. So let's pray another six months. He'd go, wow, that must have been so hard. I was glad to do it. I was glad to do it because I know if you get that wrong, life is miserable. And we prayed another six months and then the the assistant pastor gave us his blessing. And I'll tell you, we've had struggles in our marriage, like all marriages have, especially when you're coming from two different cultures. But overall, I love my wife. I love being with her. This is what marriage is about. God called us to that. He said, it is not good for man to be alone. Even a palace is a dungeon if you're alone. When Shireen goes away, I hate being in my, my house. It's like, what's going on here? It's so empty nobody to talk to. I just, I guess I'll just go to bed. I don't know what to do. Plus, there's no good food in the house, which is God. God is the one who put this whole thing together. If I can leave you with something today, remember, God is in these relationships. Commit these to the Lord. Say, Lord, do this in my life. You know, this, this, It says that they were naked and were unashamed. You will never know this outside the bonds of a healthy marriage. You will never know this outside the bonds of a healthy marriage. Never. And it says the two become one flesh. You say, well, that's the marriage ceremony. It is not. It is the sexual union that brings the one fleshness. Because God, because Paul even says that. Paul says that for example, in, in uh in First in Corinthians chapter six, it says it says uh um, in verse fifteen, Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take away the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? May it never be. Or do you not know that the one who joins himself to a prostitute is one body with her? For he says the two shall become one flesh but the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee immorality. Flee immorality. So how do you deal with it if this guy is always hitting on you? Flee. Flee. Don't give in to this thing. Do you have two legs? Use them. That's what it means to flee. It doesn't just say, it's okay, I can resist this. No, it says flee Immorality. That means you move away from that. You have nothing to do with that person. Because when you get into the one flesh union, that is a one flesh union. If you can become one flesh with a prostitute, you can become one flesh with just a, another partner whom you know. And that one flesh union is strong. And there is a bonding that takes place. And now that bonding is taking place between another person that there was never supposed to be that bonding. God has great things for us in our marriages if we will but trust him. And I've had many young women that are getting into their mid and late 20s wondering, does God ever have a husband for me? And I say you commit that to the Lord. You commit that to the Lord. And and uh God opens the doors for things. We're going to look in in, uh, in we're going to close with this in Romans in Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Verse six, it says, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we are no longer to be slaves to sin. For he who has died is free from sin. If somebody is not in Christ, the Bible describes them as being a slave to sin. If you have never accepted Jesus in your heart, You are a slave to sin according to the Bible. Not according to me. I would never say that. But the Bible says that. The Bible says you are a slave to sin. You have not the ability to overcome sin if you are not in Christ. When you accept Christ, you have the ability to overcome sin. Not that you will always succeed in it, but you do have that ability. And God wants that for you. So I urge you this day, to say, Lord, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. And I urge the believer this day to get out of the wrong relationships. If that other person does not know the Lord, and even if they know the Lord, if they know the Lord, but they're not walking with Christ, if that is not a healthy relationship, flee from it. Just have nothing to do with it. Just say, it's over. They say, why? Then they look up, you're gone. Because you've fled. You're gone. Flee from it and let the Lord build the right relationship because to be married to one whom the Lord has brought to you. I mean, I, I just envisioned God picking up this woman from Pakistan and bringing her all the way to this crazy place of Syracuse, New York, where I was and dropping her there and her father introducing her to me. God did this. God brought this woman to Adam. He brought, God participates in this whole thing. He's not like, oh, you're on your own. Adam could have been quite autonomous and said, you see that dog? That's the one I want. Don't choose a dog. (laughs) Take the one that God has for you. That's really good. God has something very rich for you. One who is bone of your bone and flesh of your flesh. God participates in this. So invite him to participate. You want to do it autonomous? I know what's best for me. Fine. So does everybody else out there. And they got it all wrong. I don't know. I didn't know what was right for me. And I committed it to the Lord. And the Lord gave me riches upon riches in the wife that I have. I urge you, if you do not know the Lord Jesus, come to him this day. Stop being a slave to sin. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my heart. Let's pray. Abba Father, I thank You so much for the truth of Your Word. And I pray, Lord, for these young people that in their marriages they would learn to commit this to You. Their relationships, they would learn to commit it to You, Lord. Father, I pray Your blessing and Your grace to be upon them that they would take the word of God and believe it. Father, I pray for those here, particularly the young women here who are caught in unhealthy relationships. Father, I pray that they would observe your word and flee. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. This is the love of God, these commandments to flee. Father, I pray that you would bring good couples together from the young people here. That you would have a part in that bringing together because you take interest in this. Father, I pray that you'd free them from aloneness in your time and that they would commit this to you. And Lord Jesus, I pray for those here who do not know you, who are slaves to sin. Father, that this day they would pray with me, Lord, forgive me because I am a sinner and come into my life. Forgive me, I pray. And Lord, I commit this time to you in the name of Jesus. Amen.